Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Free Lady Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany McQuethy. I have an amazing guest today. His name is Aaron Quinn. So excited to have you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Yes, I appreciate yours as well. Um, and again, guess where I met him, you guys, in the lion's den. And can I just say, I just want to say something real quick, because I noticed this on your profile, that you're a Steelers fan. I am. I am. Me too. I've been a Steelers <laughs> fan for almost 30 years. My best friend's dad is from Pittsburgh. And so it's been Steelers nation at their house every time it's football season. So that is yeah, really Yeah, and I'm really from cool. Northern California too. So being a Steelers fan has been pretty challenging feat, <laughs> to say the least. You know, you're supposed to, you know, be, be loyal to some of your local teams. And, you know, ever since I was a little kid watching the Steelers growing up, they've always just been a tough team. And I just kind of gravitated towards towards that team yeah exactly I just love it I just love what they're all about they're very much about their fans and their community and like I just love that I love that love yeah that. so I'm from California too so don't I mean you know we were we were growing up with having the Raiders and everything like that um but there are Steelers bars like everywhere like if you look for them which is kind of cool <laughs> they're out there we have a couple in Sacramento Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you're in Sacramento. Okay, awesome. So Aaron, tell everybody who are you and what do you do? So yeah, so my name is Aaron Quinn. I'm a men's vulnerability coach, uh, help men get aligned with their vulnerability and and authenticity inside their marriages, their their parenting and in their businesses. Been doing that here for about a a few years now. Wow. Um, so I've always I've always been into personal development and business development, and over the years growing up, I've I've had to take on so much that I've I felt that I've had to take accountability, personal accountability throughout my whole life. And as I've gone through my journey the last 10, 15 years, I went through a divorce and then got remarried, and you know, um, then the pandemic. Uh, I really I really gravitated towards vulnerability a lot more because. I had to break through the ego and I had to get real with myself and I had to take action steps that were in alignment with what I really wanted out of life. And since I started doing that, everything just started escalating and accelerating at 10x speed. It's funny how that happens, right? (laughs) It's the things that people don't want to do, like work through all that hard stuff to get to where you are now. And so what inspired you um, to 
become the leader that you are to help men and to to create this group like you know, I just, your background uh, yeah no thank you for that question i just really started seeing people men specifically um i, I started observing more guardedness and how just men just aren't aren't expressing themselves the way they need to or the way they should they they tend to live externally and and hide from their true true shadow and okay. i myself going through my shadow work i found that that everything lies on the other side of doing your shadow work like it's right. it's one of the most hardest things to do but looking inwardly and finding finding who you truly are through those experiences that you you've gone through really helps shape that vulnerability and helps you get authentic and and live live life um in true alignment and just making sure that you're you're being true to yourself yeah living a life of freedom yeah yeah Emo emotional and spiritual freedom for sure absolutely I, I love that you know i talk about this a lot especially this last year that and do you agree with me you know, as with the times that are happening now that men don't even feel like they have someone to talk to. They are so ashamed for their masculinity that it's even harder for them to say, Hey, I need help. Or they're like embarrassed for their masculinity. Like it's being taken away from them. Therefore their voice is also being taken away. So have you seen that in? Oh yeah, for sure. Group? And what yes. have you done about that? What I've seen is I, I've just seen men being afraid of expressing who they are and in, in fear of that men, other men will think that they're weak or, you know, they're, they're, they don't have true strength, but you know, the, the circle that I have, all, a lot of my friends that I circulate myself around, we're all vulnerable. We all hug each other. We all say we love each other. Mm -hmm. We, we all have families and it's, it's a different, different caliber of men, so to speak. And once I started seeing the difference between that, I, I knew that other men wanted to feel this way and wanted to be this way. So that's why I started gravitating towards uh, being a men's vulnerability coach, you know, helping, helping other people reach that true vulnerability aspect in their hearts and, and just becoming burden free from all of their past traumas. Wow. That is so beautiful. Like, it's just, that's so touching because that is what the true experience of life is, is being free, being able to have that one person that might just only be you. That's enough. That's enough to, to know and teach that they are enough. And that is such right. a beautiful gift that you have. So let's talk about that. Like, did you always know from a child that you wanted to like help people or was it your experience that you grew up in, you know, a traumatic relationship with your father or your mother, or anything like that, that kind of put you in a place of being stuck in your life or not being able to move forward, recognizing that, and then how you move forward to become yeah, the man I, that you are. Yeah. So I, I grew up uh, pretty, pretty poor, uh, single, single mother household. She was disabled, schizophrenic. Uh, my father was in and out of the picture. I saw him every other, other weekend. And, uh, it just wasn't a good fit for, uh, for a child to develop, I guess, typically. Um, so I've right. always been on survival mode for large part of my young childhood and early adulthood years. I put myself to college and struggled through there, but I graduated uh, so that's one of the, one of the biggest celebrations for my own self to to be grateful for. Um, mm -hmm. But as I've been growing up, I've always felt that I was 
I was aware of radical self-reliance and accountability because I had no one to turn to. I had no one to lean on. Even though I had family, I still had to be mentally strong for my mom. I had to, you know, help her pay the bills. I had to, I had to like be an adult as like a 10 year old. So I've always had that, that, that mental fortitude to get me through that. And as I progressed through early adulthood, I, I realized that a lot of people struggle with just taking accountability and doing these things. And I've always had a really strong connection with being vulnerable with people. I can get vulnerable with people really quick, really fast, and really start peeling the onion back and disarming any type of ego. Mm. Uh, mm. I had a really good time talking with people and connecting with them on in the heart space. And... One of the things that I, at the pandemic, at the pandemic start, you know, I started just realizing everyone's in fear and like all of this stuff happening. And, you know, I said, this is, this is the perfect time to, to hone in on these skills and, and this alignment for myself and really dive in to helping men connect with not only themselves, but with their families and their businesses and help scale their business and just really help reconnect with, with themselves and their wives and families. That's beautiful. And you must have that experience also with, you know, I don't want to say, I don't think anything is a failure, right? But you are, have been divorced and remarried. And I feel like when you've been divorced, I mean, I haven't been divorced, so I can't really say hundred percent, but I also think of it as an experience, as a lesson, things that you learned and you know, growing apart and that, you know, knowing that's okay. Sure. Did you, in that particular marriage, were you struggling to be who you are? And then you did. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to say anything negative about my ex-wife, but I do, I do acknowledge uh, my shortfalls and where, where I wasn't the space for her, she wasn't the space for me. And just from the compatibility standpoint, it just didn't mesh right. Right. Uh, so I, I realized the the childhood traumas that I've had were mm-hmm. were surfacing in that relationship. Okay. And I okay. was escaping. Um, I was escaping that, and I wasn't hitting that shit head on. And once right. I started realizing that, the more I started becoming more in alignment with myself, I realized that our paths were separate paths huh. outside of huh. us having the two children. So right. I, what I started thinking to myself was like, hey. You know, I, I'm not going to listen to everybody saying, you know, stay, stay married for the kids, stay married for the kids, because what's going to happen is I'm going to raise children and my children are going to see their father sacrificing who he is to be with mm. someone. And I don't want them to carry that on into their marriages and their families. So right. as hard as, as hard of a decision as that was, right. Making a stand for myself, it, it was, it was the most rewarding because right now I have the most fantastic relationship with my ex-wife better than we've ever had married or even dating. And my children are flourishing. We're in a blended family. I'm happily married to my, to my wife, Stacy, and we're just, our our family is flourishing and, and it's, it's all by design. We, We all, we both wanted it and we both wanted to live a life of love and gratitude and compassion and just really owning who we were. And in that moment in time, when I made that decision to leave my first wife, it was the hardest thing, you know, like, right, right. like not tucking my children in for the first six months, like not them not right. knowing I, I came back every night, tucking them, tucking them in and then leaving. But then after that, knowing that they knew I lived somewhere else, and that was, that was really 
hard and really mentally draining for me. But um, over time, it, it healed itself. And I just kept leading with love and compassion and gratitude. And I, I had to become a, a better version of myself to help lead my ex-wife in this process because oh. for her, obviously, it would be a, a wreck. You know what I mean? Right. She, she didn't understand. She didn't know. But through that process, I had to learn to to feel the, you know, shield the bullets and and just take things under the chin and just be a better man and, and just be there not only for my ex, but now for my wife as as we started dating um, in that process as well. So it, it was a really challenging effort, but it's, we're, we're past that hump now and we're now creating a life that is not textbook, so to speak, from all the other divorced stories. <laughs> right. Well, that gave me chills, man, because that is like the ultimate experience with blended families. You know, I'm about to, to embark in a blended family myself, you know, with Daniel having his, you know, three wonderful girls with, you know, and his ex-wife. And that's my goal. Like, I'm not going to try to force any of that, but like, like you sure. said, I want, I want to point this out. You guys like every day Aaron showed up with compassion and love every single day. Now that might not have felt like he was doing a good job, right? When you started yes. all these things and, and going through all these heartaches of, you know, not being with your kids every day. I mean, Daniel talks about that all the time, but things are not going to happen overnight. And when you have the consistency of showing up for yourself, showing up with compassion and love, eventually you are going to show that to your children, to your ex, to your wife now, where you all want to show up for each other because there's no hard feelings there because love is being put first. And I think that is such a beautiful thing and such a beautiful example. You're, you're setting the example for every man and woman who are in a blended family. Like this is all possible. And it's only because it comes from your choices. You get to choose to be in that relationship. Yep. And it also makes your children thrive. Like what you were saying back then, if you were just hiding from who you were in a marriage that wasn't working, you know, like, yes, you had some difficulty because of your past in there. But once you recognize that, you recognize that. And you're like, well, now I'm going this way because that's where Aaron lives. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so like, I don't know how old your kids were when that split happened, but you know how they are achieving their goals because of what they've seen you achieve. I'm sure that is just so rewarding for you. Oh, it, it really is. And my, my two children were about three and seven, three and six at the time. Yeah. My daughter was three and my son was six or seven at the time. And now they're, you know, the, the relationship I have with my son is just outstanding. Wow. Uh, my, my daughter's still developing and she's still coming into her own, own little person. Uh, she's, she's 11 now and my son's 13. Uh, he works out with me. He's, he's an oh, so cool. athlete. He's a star, star student. Um, he wants to start his own business this year, uh, this summer, uh, detailing cars. So he's totally into business. And he's actually going to go with me to the Lions Den Live. So I oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we're really excited. So um, I, I struggled a, about a year, year and a half ago with my son. Uh, hmm. and, and I didn't really know that I was struggling with him. And one of my friends actually pulled me aside at a barbecue. He said, hey, what's up with Jacob? 
you know, always moping around and kind of just like, you know, I don't, I didn't know if it was like a preteen type of slump or like some attitude, but he was definitely struggling inwardly. Hmm. And here, my story is like, if they're struggling, if they're struggling, it's, it's because of the marriage or because of, because of the divorce. Um, so I just, I, I pulled him aside and I had a, a really heart to heart conversation with my boy. And from that moment, I mean, we cried, we laughed, and I just really got extremely vulnerable with him, something that I never did ever. Mm. And that was one of my turning points as well. And ever since that moment in time, we've been inseparable. Like he's, he's just completely, he's completely embraced both, both homes, both just the the lifestyle that we have. And it's just really beautiful to see to see him develop and my daughter Chloe she's coming out of her shell she's she's into sports and and cheer and um she she's really starting to grow and you know I'm I'm gonna have that same type of conversation with her probably when she's around 12 years old and um for my two other boys that uh Stacy birthed you know I just had to lean into them as well and love them as my own and show show them you know, what, what it takes to be a, a stepfather and just to be an overall father for them and still respect their dad, you know, hmm. still, still, still show yeah. them love and still show their dad respect and still not overstep my boundaries with him, you right. know? Uh, so there's, there's times where we had to have uh, a hard conversation. We had a death in the family a couple years mm-hmm. ago. And in, instead of talking to the children first, I called their dad and said, Hey, this happened. Do you mind if I have this conversation X Y Z about Aww. about this death? And yeah. you know, we had a little conversation about it, and then we ended up talking with the children. But still having those boundaries and still still sure. being inclusive with the exes is our top priority. We still envision to have Thanksgiving and Christmases all together. We know that you know the uh, her ex husband is already married. My my ex wife has a steady boyfriend and he's involved with the kids and you know we we want to be inclusive we want everything to be just together and there's no yeah. reason why we need to separate things you know <clears throat> excuse me at a point to where there's animosity or or right. separation or or angst you know what i mean it's right. you're, you're, yes. teaching kids. Yes. you're teaching kids to get through the traumas and and take shit on the chin and and dust yourself off and and still show love and still right. be grateful for where you are in life. So that's, right. that's our, our life motto. So, so to speak. That, I mean, I just love that. I'm, I'm like getting chills with this whole entire conversation already because like that, your vision is my vision currently, you know, like your exes are, when you have children involved, your exes are going to be a part of your life forever. So your family's all you got. And even if you have the backstory of being married once before, or, you know, she was married once before, you're still a part of each other's life. You're still raising these children together. You're showing them that it is okay. As as long as you worked as hard as you could in that marriage, if it just didn't work out, like it's okay. And you have the ability to still be together and still sit at the same table. Yeah. And guess what? That's probably going to make a ripple effect with all their friends totally. and their friends, you know, yeah. like changing the dynamic of what we're programmed to just hate our right. exes, which doesn't show anything but hatred to our children. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big opportunity with the, the kids' friends because, you know, when, when you make a decision like that, you impact your, your outer circle, right? And you impact right. Fa- other families that have children that yeah. are young, that don't really quite understand why, why are they not together and why are we going over here? Why are they over there? You know what I mean? Why doesn't he yeah. live here anymore? Um, so the best way to get through that is to be open about everything and talk about everything in the home so that right. your children feel comfortable going back and forth between homes and talking about things. Right. That was a little bit of a struggle early on, but the more Stacy and I talked about the exes openly with love and gratitude, right? The, the children eased up a bit. It took a while, but right. that was, that was our consistent effort of just, you know, just talking about my ex or talking about her ex without, without hush hush or, you know, without anger or, you know, bad mouthing them. Uh, we still get our exes father's day and mother's day cards and presents and gifts on their birthdays and Christmas. Mm -hmm. And we get it for the kids, for them. So we still show them love in a different capacity, but we have to show the kids that, you know, we we're okay. And then after you start doing that, you continue doing that, but then you start, when you start are being seen together, like sitting together at sporting events, that's something new for us now. We're, we're starting to do that now. And it's, that wasn't there before. Right. But now, now it is. So that's right. the next step. Right. And, it, it, right. and it's starting to collaborate on pickup and drop off and, and just coordinating things and seeing, seeing the, the parents being a, being a, a family unit, you know, as yeah. they're watching it growing up, they're seeing like, I never saw any like anger, or, like shit talking right. or you know what I mean? Right. Or separation. Like, so that's, that's where we're, we're aiming to get to. And, and it, do, it does take a lot. It takes, I mean, there's, there's times, you know, you're, you're upset and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And you know, <laughs> you know why'd they say this? Or why'd they do that? But you, you have to get over yourself. You have to get over that ego and, and mm-hmm. Let, mm-hmm. you just have to tell yourself that the children are watching and right. for the best thing you could do is just keep a level head and keep your head high and right. show love in the face of anything that comes your way. And yeah. it, it's going to pay off. It, you might have to take a few jabs here and there, but it, right. it, it pays off in the very end and the kids will see it eventually. They may not see it when you want them to see it. Right. As you continue and, and right. you have, you allow them to have their own breakthrough when they like, wait a minute, I was expecting this, but I didn't get this from, from this person. You know, they, right. it allows them to shift their own perception because you're not going to change their mind. You're not going to force a child to feel one way about a parent or another and you just have to embrace their process and allow them to develop into their own on their own time and just just be there be the same be the same person you were consistent you know every time and then they're they're gonna they're gonna come around yeah that's really well said because it really takes a lot of patience um and Daniel I mean he is so patient I am just like you know wow but it helps me be patient because he's patient sure Um, you know, especially, you know, I'm not a mom, even though like I have four younger siblings, I have 14 nieces and nephews, not from them, but from my friends. And I just love kids. You know, I love what they have to say. I love what they're inspired by. I love them when they're creative. I love just how they talk because they're so innocent at, you know, at the, those stages in life. And it's such a beautiful thing. And 
you know, like Daniel has really worked really hard on, you know, giving that space for his ex, for her to be able to express herself with, within the family and the children and everything like that. And, you know, like I'm sitting here like, okay, when are we going to meet? Like, when are we going to do family stuff? Like, I'm like, when, 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 (laughs) you know, because like, I'm so eager. I want that. I want that to be in place, but you know, that's where I, you know, and learning patience. And if you guys out there listening to this are in the same boat as me, guess what? Like we can learn patience together and keep each other accountable because that is the hardest part is like, where, when is that going to happen? But just like, as you say, like just that consistency, that momentum and taking action with love and throwing that ego aside, because, you know, of course, we're all going to have our opinions of when things go wrong. Well, like, why, why is that going to happen? But, you know, when we ask ourselves why, like the truth that we might think that truth might not even be truth anyways. Right. So that's, if you can just think of that and have that in your back pocket to know like, well, I might not be right anyways, that will allow you to step back and just keep an open mind. I feel yep. a lot of times we get, you know? we get stopped by our own thoughts. And like, if we right. think something, Oh, it's because of that. And then right. we don't want to do any critical thinking and, right. and like, wait, wait a minute, like, you know, maybe it's not. And, and a lot of times we get stopped by not wanting to have the conversation with someone mm. and we allow that that decision that we've already made in our head to right. be the final verdict without without reaching out to the person and and having that conversation right and uh, one of the one of the hardest things that uh stacy and i had when we first blended was we under underestimated the time it was going to take for all four children to to acclimate and blend mm. you know mm. um stacy and her two boys lived in 1100 square foot house and me and my two kids moved in and then like six months later the pandemic happened so all six of us are in this 1100 square foot house for a couple years and you know just like at each other's necks and personal (laughs) space you've got you've got four kids or three the the our fourth boy is uh, older so he was in his room but we have three of the littles you know around the the kitchen table all in different schools and all in different classes you got one doing oh jumping jacks and pe God. you know i'm i'm in the corner and doing a zoom meeting and she's in the bedroom doing her meeting and yeah. it's, it was total chaos and Hi. the pandemic is its own beast you know for as far as emotional and mental capacities but put that on top of blending and, and it just, it was a recipe for just chaos. And it, there was a lot of love, a lot of love, but it was very chaotic. So we, we eventually uh, found a home and we're, we're one year into our new home and we all have our personal space. And ever since that happened, everything started accelerating even that much more because everyone had a chance to breathe. Everyone had a chance, chance to cope and process. And, right. you know, I, I look at it this way. We came into their home. Right. right. There's three right. people coming into their home. Right. And her youngest was, uh, I think, like six or seven. Same, okay. same, same age as Chloe. And and, you know, at the time when we moved in, he was probably eight or eight, eight or nine. And all the years are jumbling together now. 
Um, but you know, you're a young, young kid and he had to come in and he had, and we had to share one room for three children and the teenager oh. got his own room. So okay. there was, you know, okay. so there was a, yeah. a, a big shift, so to speak. Right. And so going back to what I was saying, we underestimated the, the, the level of, um, time that the children needed to acclimate and, um, also just understanding what their coping was there. They went through the right. pandemic too. And right. here they are blending, a, you know, living with new people and, and they're sharing their space, sharing their toys. And, you know, it was, it was a pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty good lesson for my wife and I. And, you know, once, once we got into the home, everything started leveling out, everyone started getting into their own thing and, you know, finding their true self. But going back to what you're saying, patience is definitely top of the list when it comes to, blending a family and just allowing the children the space to come right. to you. And all you got to do right. is just be consistent. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of think that the pandemic was a blessing in disguise. It really was like, for, for us. Had it was. to just get together and, you know, you knew that everyone was going through whatever they were going through in a small space. And I'm sure they had even more gratitude and so much more to be thankful for, like having their own space now to go through what they went through, even if they didn't recognize it or not, that is right. something very powerful um, to look at it that way with the pandemic, because I mean, you heard horror stories after horror stories with these kids at home and just not being able to get educated correctly. And, you know, there's still uh, some progress that is still as parents really trying to get their kids when they're still struggling yeah. from that. Yeah. I still feel there's there's rippling oh. effects from from that. My my daughter actually, I feel, is struggling a little bit academically mm -hmm. right now because of it. Right. And she went through four teachers in one one of her school years. Wow. wow. I mean, having having not only her splitting families and then getting into a pandemic and then having no consistency as a teach for a teacher. Right. You know, like I just, I, I tell myself she's, she's grasping for, you know, attention and, and feeling abandoned in some, some aspects, right. you know, and that's, that's something I'm working on right now trying to figure out and solve with right. that. But I, I feel like that, that experience has hindered her, her level right. of, of scaling and naturally in, in the progression of her school. Right. But at the same time, you know exactly how that felt because you yeah. had to take care of yourself because you didn't have consistency with your family. And so you get to right. use that and try it, but you have to understand, you have to try to figure out like, what is the recipe for my daughter? And, you know, right. what do I need to do for her when, you know, that, I mean, no one knew that it was going to disrupt our kids' minds, the pandemic. And that was like, I felt like, the pandemic was the saddest for children. Yeah. You know, and especially if they did not homecomings. have, yeah. No homecomings, no, no graduations. Yeah. Or even, you know, being around the parents that really hated each other, but like, you know, cause they were at work getting, being yeah. far apart. And I mean, hopefully this, you know, had come to conclusions for all these other people and all these other kids that they have helped now. I really hope so. You know, that's what I pray for every day is that they get some type of relief in what people are doing now to help those children in those situations. Um, 
because it was really scary. You know, it was super, super scary. And like, I mean, just watching my friends going through that with their children, I was like, oh my gosh. Or like I had clients who were teachers and them struggling with their, with their kids, because do you think they're going to pay a hundred percent attention? They, but don't, they don't even pay a hundred percent attention when they're in class, you know, it's like trying to get these kids attention through a screen. I mean, and then, then talk about like social media and all these things that, yeah. you know, has definitely, you know, put our kids into a regular of being on the screen. And it's just, that's, I mean, I'm going down a rabbit hole right now, but like <laughs> I am, but you know, it's, it's important for us parents to know that, that that is a true fact, not that like, oh, it was fine. Like get our children out, giving them experiences and being around people and going into sports and finding that true thing that gives them joy and freedom to be who they are. You know? Yeah. I mean, you see it all the time. Like I just, I, I think I talked about this the other day of just, you know, even when you're going into restaurants now, like I am not a fan of having the phone at the table. Like I, I'm just not. And you know, these kids are not only looking at their phones with their family at the table, like their whole body, their whole body is like their heads are almost below the table because of, you know, just that, like, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like the energy is like pushed their whole spine down like this, you know? And like, why are these parents allowing that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I, you know? I, I've been guilty of it at times, but sure, sure, we we're, all very, have. we're very aware of the, the, the phone usage. And at dinner time, we, we do one, we do one uh, family meal a week. Cause we, we do have the kids 50%. Right. So every 14 days we have the kids seven days and one of one days each week, we have a family dinner with uh, my wife's mom and dad and they come and I cook and uh, a lot of times we, we play the gratitude game. Like every, everyone goes around a circle, says what they're grateful for. We also have, uh, talking points cards that, you know, you pick oh. a card out of it and it, it, it's a prompt. So it says, what do you like best about growing up? Or, you know, they're, they're, they're separated between adults and children and there's family and there's kids. And, uh, it, it allows the children and everybody around the table to open up, you know, right. And, we felt that that doing that wow. takes, takes it, it not only takes away from them wanting to leave the table and also to get on their phone, but um, it shows them the importance of what family dinners are for. I didn't have that growing up. So it's, it's really important for, yeah. for me to show the kids that you have to have family dinners every single week. You have to be there. Yes. That is where everything is talked about. That is where yes. you learn things. It all starts in the home. It all starts in the yeah. home. And that one day a week is probably the most important to me because it allows us to sit with the kids and just to be with them. You know, we play games and uh, sometimes they'll help with cooking and things of that nature. And when um, her parents come over, they play games with her parents. And we, we really try to develop an environment where, you know, it we're just being together. We're present. Yeah. I love that. That is one thing that I did get to grow up with is, you know, having dinner with the table and, you know, I mean, I didn't even realize that was such a gem, right? With all the technology now, like we, there wasn't technology, 
you, I mean, you did sit at the table, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but those were like the fondest memories that I have, you know, cause we were yeah. laughing or playing games or making fun of the hot dogs and our macaroni. Cause you know, we didn't yeah. have a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, but <laughs> those are the times that it was just, it was just so wonderful because you literally sat there with belly laughs or talked about God knows what. And to, I still, you know, really, really admire people who have family dinners. And that is definitely something I want to have because first of all, you know, when you're having conversation, when you have food, you know, you're, you're giving your body energy. So like you have energy to speak, you know, it's like, don't ever get in a deep conversation. If you're hungry, like that's just not going to go good. <laughs> so, you know, and then having games and I just love the idea of like having cards and like thinking outside of the box. Right. To be united, you know, it's such a small idea, but like it, it has a big, pretty profound impact. Right. And I, think, and I think over time, the kids will like look back at it and say, Oh, that was fun. Yeah. You know? Oh, your parents don't do that. You don't do that at home. You know, right? it, it sparks conversations with their friends too. Like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm sure when your, your kids go over to sleepovers and they have like a, you know, a family dinner, they'd be, they'll probably just naturally ask questions, you know, or naturally speak up. And then it's lessons for you and your parents of like, right. you know, getting to know like generations of family and how it was for them and you know, how it is today, just like that conversation will never stop. You can always learn something right. new from that. And so one, one of the greatest things too, about uh, Stacy's parents are that Stacy's parents were divorced when she was a young girl oh, and they're, okay. they're still friends and they still show up for her and really? for them to come over to our home and out of, as a blended family and be an example for, to see our, for an example, for our kids to see that, wow. you know, that that's really special for us because wow. they sit like they, they sit with each other, like, Nothing ever happened. They don't ever talk bad. They're friendly. They hug. They laugh. They're here every single holiday. Like I've never seen, I've been with her for a handful of years and I've never seen any shit talking between them two. And they're, they just always show up for, for their daughter. And I really admire that about them. And they show up for our kids. They show up for my children specifically, you know, loving them as their own. And I, I hope that my children see that. I hope that Stacy's children see that. Yeah. You know, hey, we can we can have uniformity amongst you know you know people that aren't blood and be a family. You know, it's about a choice and you know who you're around and and who loves you. Yeah, and seeing that at a at a, at a generational scale. Yeah. Have you ever asked her parents like you know what they did and how they chose to be like that and have that friendship. Like what was going through their minds when they what, stood up and. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they had the conversation, you know, at the time of divorce that, you know, no matter what, we're going to be there for Stacy. So I, I have heard stories along that line. I don't know the details of that, but I do recall hearing about that conversation. So I do know there was some foresight, you know, at that yeah. moment in time for them to, stay together and, and just figure it out for her. That would be a cool conversation yeah. to have for you to have with them and maybe make it into like a single podcast or like just something that you share if they're willing to share that, because that is a very unique thing that they have for that generation. 
I bet you, you oh, that's awesome, blow yeah. your mind of like <laughs> seeing what they have to share, you know, and then how you share in your generation to, you know, push this generation now that it, this is okay. This is a normal right. thing when we were brought up that it's not normal, like, especially for her parents like that, you know, it was not okay to get divorced back then. Like you were shamed for that. Like oh, so yeah. there was also that, that they probably had to go through as a couple. They probably were shamed for being friends. I mean, God, I mean, the list can go on. I, I think that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. To, every time I went, every time I went know? to my dad's house, he would pick me up and I'd, he would park like down the street. I'd have to go out there and walk to his car. He would never come to the door, you know? And I just, I, yeah. that always felt really uncomfortable for me, you know? Right. Right. You know, as a child, as you know, you need your dad and, and he just, he didn't, to me, it didn't show the effort, you know what I mean? So that mm -hmm. inspires me to show the right. effort and to be, you know, inviting them in our home and, and right. making sure that the kids know that it's okay. It's not your right. fault because when you, right. when you keep it separate like that, the kids start feeling like it's their fault. Yes. And you have to well show said. them that it's not the adults, adults do their own shit it has right. nothing to do with the kids, you know? Right. The kids are right. a blessing and they don't, they don't know that by seeing that type of right. you know, anger. And, you know, when they we're not, when they're not getting answers, they're going to in, inwardly think like, oh, it's my fault. Or I, I did, I did something wrong. And that's Absolutely. just not the case. Absolutely. And then they're going to grow up with like, with everything that they do. Stories. Oh, like I did that. I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Like, you know, they're going to get trampled over. I mean, I had that experience too. And, and that also goes to show that, you know, some people just are not ready they're just not ready to be in that position, but that is always on them. It's something to do with how they love themselves and how they treat themselves. And that's again, nothing on you. As long as you show up, you try If you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Um, are your parents still pretty distant now or have they? My parents, I don't, I don't talk to my dad and my mom passed away in 2012. I'm so sorry <laughs> to hear that. It sucks losing a parent, man. I, yeah. I lost my dad. Uh, it'll be 16 years this year. And, you know, it's just like, you think about how many years that is, like when you really put it all together and, you know, watching your, your young, cause I'm the oldest, right. Just watching your kids go through, I call them my kids. Mm. That's <laughs> awesome. Watch, right. Just watching awesome. them go through all these things. And you're just like, damn it. You know, like, I just wish dad was here to. Yeah you know, help them with this or guide them through this or, you know, what that experience might be. Um, but, you know, and all of them are just flourishing now. They're really, yeah. I mean, it took them a really long time. It took me a really long time to flourish too. You know, one of uh, my siblings is struggling super bad still um, with alcohol and all these things. Um, I know he constantly tries and, you know, that's the only thing that we have to pray for is that like, cause he's amazing, you know? Mm. So, but it's just like, you know, you not talking to your dad. It's just those people just, they don't have the ability to show up from their themselves because they don't know how. Yep. And that goes back to like what we were talking about in the beginning of men, they of not being able to be raw, realistic you know, and, and vulnerable with themselves because they don't know how, you know, they were programmed not to, and then they're programmed now to like masculinity is something to be shameful for, you know, it's right. like, no, all humankind, 
are beautiful. I don't care what you are, who you think you are, what you love. I don't care. As long as you know who you are and you have the ability to understand that you can choose to learn how to love yourself. I yep. mean, it's, it's the hardest recipe to learn, right? It really is. It really <laughs> is. And, and, you know, I, I struggled with my own uh, self-worth throughout the years, you yeah. know, just being insecure with, with growing up, you know, I, I went to, when I went to college, you know, being poor and putting myself through school and being surrounded by people that were wealthy and you know had both parents come in for parents weekend and mm -hmm. you know it was it was a really challenging time and and it wasn't until the recent years um in my journey that I started really leaning into my own strength and being confident in my strength because right. I I knew that I was strong I knew I was mentally capable and I always I always had the confidence inwardly to to do something because I had to do it. I had to, I had to be older than what I really was as a, as a young kid. Right. Right. Um, right. So I always had the confidence that I could do something if I put my mind to it, but the confidence, I didn't have enough confidence to, to show, to, to exude, you know, and, and I was, I was dealing with insecurities and uh, a lot of that, those insecurities, they, they followed through with my first marriage and, um, they transpired through, you know, my, my middle adult years. And, and right now the last, like within the last like three to five years, I've really started getting more confident in my story and getting confident in those experiences because they're unique. And those experiences are allowing me to help others find their strength. Right. And as I talked to men, like I started, I started just like becoming gravitate towards this idea of like creating something or or becoming someone that other men can lean on and, and talk with and and really try to uh, learn that it's okay to live with love and and be okay with their experiences and their traumas and and work through them yeah you created a safe space you know you right. need you know that you needed a safe space getting through all of that like being an adult at a young age like working through confidence you know like I, uh, when I was going to college, you know, I was at a community college and like at the time, you know, I was really, my grandma was definitely my anchor. And she was like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this, all this crap, you know, and, so, right. you know, and then I went to the community college and it wasn't a good community college. Right. And so like, I struggled, like, this is so stupid. Like, I thought it was so dumb, you know, like I had such amazing teachers in high school. I was really blessed with one of the best art teachers she was awarded the best art teacher in the United States and going to community college with these other art teachers, no offense to them, but they were terrible. You know, like I remember we drew something, um, a still life portrait of a brown paper bag. And I like to have like really thick lines and, you know, just make them look very blended. And I was told it looked like a cartoon and I'm like, really bitch, this is art. You know, I didn't say a bitch, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that is not what, you know, children need or young adults need. And so having that experience of not knowing how to go to college, not knowing, you know, how to pay for it, not being guided. And then that it really left a sour taste in my mouth, mouth. but 
I've always been super creative. And, you know, Daniel teaches this to his kids all the time. Like you do not have to go to college. There are so many beautiful trade schools. Like college is such a ripoff these days, unless you know, you're in sports and you're getting to, you know, something or, or a doctor, like, because, you know, it's like you spend all this money for what, you know, when you can have your passion and the ability to see your passion because your parents are showing you like, if that's your passion, go for it. Like, you know, we were just taught how to just go to college and that end of story. That's just part um, of the, the programming, you that's know, that's the part program. of it. Like just mm-hmm. grow up, go to college, get married, have kids, buy a house. Right. Like that's, that's just the, the that's just one way, right? Yep. There's many ways to have a life and, and, you know, the, how I look at it is, is our parents and, and our, the people that have mentored us throughout our growing up, uh, they just, they're doing the best they can. Right. Absolutely. But, but once, once Absolutely. you realize that, that's when you get empowered to really make the true decisions for your own self, because you realize that you don't have to follow the, that guidance. And mm-hmm. why am I taking financial d- advice from someone that doesn't invest and someone that's in debt versus let me, let me go learn from this person over here. That's a multimillionaire and let me figure out what he's doing and not listen to my aunt over here, you right. know what I mean? Or uncle or whoever tells you something or, right. or your parents, like, you know, like that someone telling you don't do this, don't do that, but they're crippling in debt. And it's, and it's like, it's just a recipe for, you know, for disaster. And that's how history repeats itself. Right. And, you know, you're, it's not your fault for, for where you were born, but it's how, it's your fault for how you end up. So uh, I read that somewhere and it really stuck with me. Yeah, I know. uh, I know who said that too, but I think a couple people have said that, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I said it correctly, but you understand what I'm saying. Once you realize that you can control your life and and design, Mm -hmm. you know, you can break away from all those old stories, but those are, those old stories are so programmed deep into our psyche that it really makes it challenging for anybody to take a life shift uh, and change their path. But like, like Sean stated in one of the calls, that 1% shift, you know, you make Mm -hmm. a small, small shift and you consistently make a small shift over time. Your trajectory is going to be on a new course. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I started doing that and that's what I, I was, I started doing, you know, a handful of years ago, you know, almost 10 years ago and, and getting really into personal development and just, being in alignment with who I was. And like I said earlier, it wasn't until the last few years that I really started leaning into my own confidence and being, being um, okay with my life experiences, because not only do they shape me, um, but they allow me to, to heal other people and to help other people find, find their strength. Right. That's so beautiful, man. And I, I definitely agree with you. You know, once you, you are, are capable for making your own decisions, everything in your life is your fault. You know, like that's when you get to decide to be the one to set yourself up for a different course. And it is not easy. It's very lonely, you know, but we get to choose to be the one. And if, if we are looking and listening, that right person will find us. That's why I joined the lion's den. You know, Sean was doing something radical you know, he was taking change and making it a priority so he can live the life that he wanted. And I was like, well, okay, you know, then I can do that too. Like, 
Because a lot of times we're going to spend money on this, 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 and this and throw away money. But when it comes to investing in ourselves, we're like, hey, yeah. you know what I mean? But spend a thousand dollars on a cell phone, but you don't spend a thousand dollars on investing on your mindset and your emotional stability. It's like, it just, that baffles me. I've always been into personal development and, and investing in my, in my mind. Right. So right. I just, I can't fathom that idea. I just don't connect with the, that idea of people not wanting to do that. Right. And it just, it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> well, so they just don't know, you know, it's like, I've always read self-help books my whole life because I wasn't getting answers. You know, I'd go to therapy and they would be like, Oh, you seem like you're doing okay. Like, yeah, I'm doing okay, but I need guidance to do better. Yeah. Like, how can I yeah. be better? You know, but I, think- I didn't realize I was naturally, you know, educating myself um, because I didn't have like a ton of money, you know, mm-hmm. in my younger adult to have like the best therapy or the best coaches and everything like that. So it was a long, lonely road of like self-destruction pretty much. And it so, is too. And like, and and it the really truth- is. The true shift doesn't come from a transactional. You can't read a book and say, okay, I know how to do this. It's right. it has to come from a transformation. There has to be a yeah. breakthrough in that yeah. action, right? So right. I th- I think one of the the best ways to do it is exactly how Sean laid it out was just a one degree shift. It's yeah. it's making small adjustments over time and just sticking with those things and just keep adding and keep adding, you know, focusing right. on one thing and just moving forward and then going to the next thing moving forward. I think that's that's the best formula for, for creating massive impacts. Absolutely. It's just like, you can't, as Sean also says, it's like, you can't eat the whole elephant at the same time. Those one degree shifts are taking one bite of the elephant at a time. You know, like Ed Milet says, like, be the one just because you grow up poor and you come from a broken home. Doesn't mean that you have to follow that pattern just because it's ingrained in you. You can ungrain that mentality and have a different mentality of the life that you want. Right. And, it, and it, like I said earlier, it, it takes a different version of you to, to solve a bigger problem and, or to live a bigger life. And if you're thinking big enough to where that idea scares you, and if you get stopped because it's too big and you, you can't see that you have to just chip away at it, your mindset has to shift. You're not there. You're not developed yet. And that's where the breakthrough is. Once you start shifting your mindset and and knowing that you can solve that problem then you start working backwards and you reverse engineer that design and you can start taking steps towards it you know and and just chipping away at it like like we say is is the the easiest way but you have to have that mindset that like hey no you you have to be the person first before you can do it otherwise you're you're not going to get there exactly it takes a different version you have to level up in all aspects you have yeah. to level up inwardly. You have to, you know, your, your mental game, your physical game, your, your relationships, your finances, all of that stuff has to level up if you want to change the, the, the scale of something. Absolutely, man. And that's why you hire somebody to help you get in that mental yep. state to teach you how to have a strong mentality, man. You know, it's like, I got people all the time saying that I'm in a cult <laughs> all the time you know, all the time, like, especially with, you know, some of my, my family members, not a lot, but some of them. And, you know, one of them, I was like, Hey, you know, like Sean's coaching here was $47. I think he would really thrive because where I see where this person is at, he's, it's just been the same for years and years and years. And 
there's so much talent. There's so much humbleness in this person. And you're just like, Oh, it's, I don't think that's for me. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know that it's not for you unless you try? What yeah. is holding you back? You know what I mean? Like you guys, like, I think I've shared this in the previous podcast, but like come into the lion's den, like this Aaron has th thrived through this. I've thrived through this. It's $47 that and guess yeah. what because it's 47 dollars, and if you're a man and you need more help you can afford aaron's coaching group too yeah you know what i mean you got to put yourself around the people that you want to be like so with that mindset your circle has to change too the people yes. around you have to change because if you're going to be around someone who is staying the same and always being comfortable guess what you're going to slowly fall back into yeah. being comfortable it's, we have to stay uncomfortable as much as possible for us to grow. And that is a super weird thing to think about for certain people. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And like the, like what you say with the, the people around you, you know, you, in order to make that shift, you, you have, you have to change the people around you, but the way you do that, you have to go inward and you have to say no to going out. You have right. to say no to the the consistent activities that you are with these people, you right. have to refocus yourself and reevaluate what you want. And then you start leaning into that new path. And then you, the new people are going to come. They're going to circulate. There might be a couple people from your old crew that comes with you and shifts with you, but yep. really like it, it's, it's all up to you to make that shift and say, no, not have that FOMO and really just <laughs> your priorities for, no, it, it sucks. It's it, true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard metamorphosis to go through, but yeah, it, it, is. it is It very really rewarding is. once you make that shift. And when you have the confidence to say no and go over here, mm -hmm. if they support you, you know that they're your friends, but if they, Absolutely. if they stop calling you, the, the, the number one test is not to, to, to not call anybody and see who calls you. Yep. See who follows yep. up with you. Yep. I guarantee you like 80% of the people that I, that if I stop talk, if I stop texting, they would never call me back. Yeah. You know, people That's that I know, crazy, huh? you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I, I knew that and I had, I had to make that shift too. And, you know, I had to prioritize, um, me going out and stuff like that. Uh, one of my hobbies is I'm, I'm a house DJ. I've been DJing for like 20 years. So I, I, I throw parties and I play at nightclubs. And, um, so being part of that, that underground music scene is, mm -hmm. and being in this world are night and day. Oh, you yeah. know, and, and it's so hard to blend the two and ha having to cut the line off and make the priorities it is very hard because a lot of times um, the, the community and just normal people, they blend, you know, so you have to, for me, I had to like really draw a line in the sand and say, okay, from this point forward, these, these, these people over here, no, I'm in, for these events, no, I'm doing this over here. I'm doing this over there. And I really had to like, take ownership of, you know, the impacts of the, the nightlife schedule versus, you know, business schedule. And right. ever since I did that, you know, and I, and I went all in, so to speak with my business where we've, we've scaled it now in the last 18 months, we're, we're on target to hit seven figures this year. And three years ago, we made 10 grand the first year. Right. So I, I mean, right. it's, there, there's something to be said about making those shifts and there's something yeah. to be said about refocusing your energy and yeah. just, and taking extreme accountability and extreme ownership of everything that you do and going all in. And it's, right. it has to do with going all in with everything that is in your life. Yeah. And 
I get my, my, my sons, my two sons, my two oldest, they're, they're part of my business. They come to my shop and they clean the shop and they get paid and they're, they're part of the business. I have a family business plan and, you know, we, we in, integrate everything and that, that didn't happen before, you know, I was blending, you know, the nightlife with the, the business life is, right. you know, I had one foot in one foot out and it, right. it's, it's half-assed. You have to right. make a decision right. and just go right. all in. Yeah. That's super true. Yeah. I was reading about that. I was like, Oh man, DJ, like I love music. Music is a place where I can be like, so my freest self, right? Like I'm, I always try to be as free everywhere that I can be, but music is something that is just, uh, it's like free energy. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's where you get to be, you know, a a kid again, you know, that that's what music is for me, like having that inner child. And I'm sure that is for you too. But like, at the same time, if we have, for example, one foot in the past, not just one job or a nightlife, one foot in the past, one in the future, like everything's going to be half-assed, but that doesn't mean you still can't enjoy those things. Right. Right. It's just turn them into a different level. Exactly. Having boundaries and setting boundaries. And, and one of the things I absolutely love about uh, house music is one throwing events and two DJing, obviously, but what it does is it creates a community of togetherness and, and being able to play music for a specific amount of time for people to connect with each other and enjoy and just let go and release for, for this moment. Right. That means a lot to me because I'm expressing myself and giving my energy to, to people and allowing and creating a space for people to just be with each other. Right. And and that's one of the things that gravitates me towards house music is it's, it speaks from the heart and there's a lot there's a lot of connection there I love that that's also like why I love house music too I feel like it teaches us how to be present in that moment because you know music is so present you know if Mm -hmm. you let the music really you know come through your body like I mean when I was in my 20s um I was living in you know Ventura which is in between Santa Barbara and LA And my friends didn't understand house music and I didn't care, but I would on Sunday nights, there would be this amazing house DJ at King King, this club in LA. And I would drive down there by myself, which is probably really dangerous, (laughs) but I, you know, I wasn't drinking. I didn't do drugs. Like the music was my drug where I just can be in this safe space. Because around people that are in the house music community generally like are filled with love because they know what that music brings to them. That music brings them out of depression. It brings them out of all these things. And yeah, some people are on drugs and that's why people are so nice sometimes, you know what I mean? But like, (laughs) you know, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, But at the same time, you will find that there's a lot of people just completely sober just enjoying the community because there is so much yeah. love. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, house music has been such a part of my life since I was like in middle school, even though I didn't understand what that music was, I was just always drawn to it. Like it's the only type of music where my brain just shuts off like completely. And all I'm thinking about is those beats and where that music comes from. And you know, like I got to bring Daniel to go see, to see dead mouse last year for my birthday. 
And he was like, before I had already had these plans. Right. And I was like, well, just still come out for my birthday. I'll buy you a ticket. Cause his birthday was a couple of weeks beforehand. And you know, you can go do something while we're at the concert. And I'm like, that's bullshit. I don't care if he's never like listened to that music. I want him to experience this experience. And he wrote this long post. I wish I could find it because, you know, he used to have PTSD and him being around all these people. He was like, there was all types of different people. There was yeah. old people, there was couples, there was kids. There was all these diversities of human beings all in the same realm moving with the beat right. together. He was like, I couldn't believe that experience and how much I enjoyed that energy and that vibration that was literally linked between all these human beings. It's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I love that. I, you know, I was like excited to talk to you about that when I saw that in your, your bio. And I was like, yes, you know, he's on all, sorry if you hear a lawnmower outside. I can't hear anything. <laughs> Why well, this little microphone like takes that, that stuff out, but you know, in conclusion to us talking about house music, I'm sure we can talk about this forever. You know, if you're growing and expanding, you know, and that you can find something that brings you peace and joy to help you get through the lonely road of huh. becoming somebody else. Maybe it is house music, you guys, like maybe it's breath work, maybe it's something, but you know, find that thing that makes you feel like you can bring your inner child out and be okay with that inner child. I just love that. <laughs> Thank you. 20, 20 years. That's really cool. Uh, at least 20 years, probably 22, 23. Yeah. That's really yeah. amazing. And it's such a cool thing that you get to share that experience because that's something that you get to throw in that most people don't. Yeah. And it's, we, I still share it with my kids. I mean, I've got, you know, a couple thousand records and my turntables and CDJs are in our living room under our TV. It's, awesome. it's a focal point. <laughs> music is definitely a focal point of our family. Yeah. And yeah. kids mess with it. We get non-house music records too. And we, you For know, we sure. play records during dinner and, you know, yeah. prepping dinner and hanging out and just yes. lounging, lounging days. But yeah, um, I definitely, I definitely like to show the kids that music is very important to life. It really is. And I also feel like having that background, back, background noise, because music is such love or it comes from a dark place, but it's also telling a story, right? Like, I feel like it helps people communicate because there's a vi another vibration going on, you know, right. um, I, I, I feel weird when there's like not music on, if I have people over or like just groups of people hanging out. Like I just, it just, it brings that silence and it just takes it out. And I feel right. like music can really bring people together in a comfortable way and expressing their themselves. Yeah. Breaks down the barriers for sure. It really does. It really yeah. does. I love this whole conversation, Aaron. I think this is amazing. I think what you're Likewise, doing thank is you. incredible. I'm so happy that I get to share your story with the world and and hopefully people can connect with you because of this. And I hope so. You know, I, I hope so too. My audience is, you know, it's kind of little, but that's okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I have it stopped. You know, <laughs> you're, you're a few steps ahead of me too. You know, I'm, I, I have an idea to start a podcast and uh, I must actually, 
uh, add on a men's group. And my, my idea is uh, called uh, the heart of man experience mm. where I, I create a men's group that does just this and you know, go, goes through a, a lot of vulnerability stuff and, and trauma response and, and just, you know, taking extreme ownership and accountability for who you are as a man, as a family man, as a business owner, and part of a community, you know, you, you have a duty to, to lead and serve. And, and uh, I want to create an environment, a platform for not only people to, to hear uh, me and the group, but people to open up and to, to feel safe and, and share where they're coming from their stories and, and in hopes that they can, they can find strength for themselves to, to be their best. Absolutely. That's exactly what my podcast is about too. Awesome. You know, that's, you know, when I started this podcast and this is for you guys too, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but guess what? You have your own community where people get to feel safe or people get to feel heard, or they have somewhere to come to listen to because they know you, you know, that is a beautiful thing. And it's taking your experiences to the next level and to the next level. And, you know, I definitely do it. You should do it. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. So I always end the call with a couple of, you know, major gold tips for the audience, um, just to kind of go back through this whole conversation. And usually it's the same thing that I ask. And what are the top, you know, three to five things that come to mind that you can share with the audience to help them level up learn to love themselves and know how to give it back. I would just say like, just to know your true strength and it doesn't matter what happens after that. It'll be the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, living, living for yourself and in what, and let, let your heart speak mm-hmm. and just try to be vulnerable as you can in, in all aspects of life. And um, the, the more vulnerable you are and the more integrity you have as a human uh life will unfold beautifully before you oh that is so good that is so good write that down you guys put it on your mirror somewhere (laughs) well thank you aaron so much for spending your monday with me and i appreciate it thank you thanks for being vulnerable on here absolutely appreciate it and i'm really excited to hear your podcast in the future especially with your wife's uh parents (laughs) Yes. I'll keep that in mind. That's a good idea. So it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So, um, and I'm excited to meet you at Lions Den Live and have more experiences with our tribe. So you guys get it, get a tribe, get a community, find who that person is. If you don't know what your community is, reach out to Aaron, reach out to myself. I can guide you to somebody or some, someone. So that's the same thing. Who cares? Um, But thanks you guys for listening to us and have an amazing week and go all in. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Um...